when I was doing the first summit, I thought this thing's not going to make any money. It's just an authority play to seek be seen in front of these other people that I'm interviewing with. And the, the truth was I did about $12,126. I'll never forget. And premium past sales. I'm like, whoa, this is something I can help authors with. Because at the time I was just, just doing book launches for authors. And those aren't, you know, those aren't income plays. They're your know, status plays, but getting bestseller, getting, you know, your book out there. But this is a way I could actually help authors make money. That's how I got into this. Today's episode is brought to you by Bluehost. Bluehost is where I host dozens of my websites, and it's the best solution for new websites. Don't break the bank with the bells, whistles, and fees that you just don't need. Get the plan that's right for you today at thirdmaster.com front slash blue. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author, Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another episode of the Serve Master Podcast. We have an amazing special guest today. In today's episode, Ray Bram is going to tell us everything we need to know about running a virtual summit, whether you're brand new to marketing or whether you're trying to accelerate your business. I'm so excited to have him here today. Welcome to the podcast, Ray. Thanks, Jonathan. Glad to be here. I couldn't have said it faster myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so excited to be here at 1.08 in the morning, trying not to sweat, even though it's super dark because I got the studio lights on. But this is our first new podcast episode in the studio in my attic. Maybe at night you can better tell that it's um, an outdoor location because sometimes people, when they're watching the videos, go, Jonathan, it looks like you're in a studio. I'm like, no, it's 150 degrees. So I'm excited to have you here. What I want to talk about first is uh, my very first question is, can you explain what a virtual summit is from the very beginning to people that don't know what it is? You know, I'm a big fan of cooperative ventures, so I'm excited. Yeah. I, so there's confusion around this. It's it, a virtual summit's not really a live event. It's one that you can control because you're pre-recording interviews. And basically, you're going you're gonna to invite attendees to come watch these interviews, and you're going to release them, let's say, once a, once a day for every five days. So let's say you've got 20 speakers, and you're going to interview those speakers. You're going to pre-record them. You're going to release them Monday through Friday, for instance, and each, you know, you a, a free attendee gets to watch the whole event for free. The videos are available for 48 hours after release. And it's a huge, huge value proposition to watch the, these interviews for free because they're basically getting coaching from all these different speakers. And then you can offer a premium pass where you give lifetime access to those videos and any other bonuses you have. And, you know, that's the basic idea around it. But it's a, it's a fixed date event, but it's not a live event where you're trying to coordinate speakers getting on stage or, or coming into your Zoom room at certain times. You've got it all locked in. It's all automated. And it's really a powerful way for both you, the host, and all the other speakers to get in front of a much larger audience than you could. So, for instance, you and I are doing this podcast one on one. Both of our audiences will get exposure to this. But think of it like this. If you had 20 people in the, in here now and you're going to interview us, bang, 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 bang. Well, everybody's audience would be there. And that's why I, I you know, one of the best ways to build an audience, create an email list, find buyers, get some income and connect with other influencers is a, a virtual summit. So. Let me ask you a big question because you know, I've run a couple of virtual summits and here's my big question is, is it better to get like the superstar guest that you think will attract traffic 
or a bunch of smaller guests that will, you know, will send their audience, even if it's smaller. Well, I'll give you my very first summit as an example. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I had, I would say like, let's call them B list players, you know, kind of the people that are hustling that are, have audiences are hustlers. And, you know, I would consider, you know, at least me in that group, maybe you, maybe you're a list, but let's say you're, we're both B list because we both, you're, you're a workhorse. And so that's what I consider that you get the A-lists are kind of the celebrity types, the name recognition types, and they rarely will mail. And so it can help having an A-lister on there. So for instance, I had my first summit, I somehow got Stu McLaren on membership guy. And I knew he was in the middle of a launch anyway. I knew he, he wouldn't promote, but that name attracted other speakers. So from the standpoint of adding credibility and attracting other speakers to your summit, that's that's great. But you're going to get the most emails, the most premium pass purchases, so income from the summit from those B-listers and their audiences because their audiences know, like, and trust them. And they're saying, come check out this summit. I'm speaking. Jonathan's the host. And it is amazing. Their, their best audience is going to follow them to that summit and, and check it out. So for me, when I first ran my first summit, I didn't know any better, but I got who I could get. And there was all the, the kind of the workhorse B-listers. And that was very successful. At, at the very same time, a friend of mine who was on my summit ran her own summit and she had Dean Graziosi, Jeff Walker, this just list of lists. And we, we just happened to compare notes afterwards, a couple of weeks later, and I got more emails. I made more money. Um, and so it's, you know, you could stack it with all the people you think you want on there as because of the name recognition, when really what you want are people that have raving fans that, and, and that are going to promote the summit itself. So that's, that's the other myth. It's, and it's obviously probably easier to recruit the B-listers and they're going to be more valuable to you in the long term and in the short term with the, with the premium pass sales. Yeah. So let's say someone's an absolute beginner. They have no existing audience. They want to run a virtual summit. How can they start finding speakers? What's the right way to reach out to people if they've never heard of you before? How can you get on their radar? Yeah. So this is the difference, I think, for, between a lot of things. Like if you've got a book and you say, okay, I want to get so-and-so to endorse my book or uh, I, you know, I want them to promote my book. It's now you've got to, you've got to have some value behind you. Like, Hey, Jonathan, would you promote my book? I'll promote yours. Well, if I've got zero emails on my list, it's not an appealing prospect for you. The same with like, Hey, Jonathan, will you come on my podcast? I've got zero people that follow my podcast or it's brand new and I'll, I'll be on your podcast. Well, it, that's still not appealing. Right. But if I come to you and say, Jonathan, I've got, I'm doing a summit on this topic. It's in your niche. I'd love to hear you speak about this. And by the way, it's, there's going to be 20 or 30 speakers on here that are sending their audiences that you're going to get exposure to. And if you give away some freebie, we're going to get you opt-ins as well. That's a value proposition that you can make. So you, you instant value offering the other person to come go on your summit. So you don't, and, and, and you can do that with zero emails, with zero lists, with nobody knowing you, because it doesn't matter about, a summit is not about you and what you're offering. It's what the entire picture is offering, which is multiple speakers and their audiences sending them to get exposure to you as a potential speaker coming on the summit. Now, the question would be, okay, but 
if I don't have any yet, the first ask, well, you start with the low hanging fruit. So you get a few people that you, you can reach out to, or, you know, and you've, you've had interactions with, and even if those people you don't know very well, but you know, you're on their email lists or so forth, most of them, if you've either responded to emails before, left them good reviews, interacted at all, they'll be interested in doing it. And, you know, it's obviously the first couple are always the hardest just from a nerves side and a, I don't have anybody else yet side. But when I started, I just, I knew I could get about three or four people. And even as I was asking them, I got some verbal yeses. I got some, I didn't get responses right away from some, I was already asking the next group saying, you know, here's who has so far committed. So I, even before I had the interviews, I was, you know, you start checking off this list. And for me, knowing what I know about summits, when people ask me, I'm like, sure, because for 20 minutes of my time, you know, I'm going to get exposure to at least some audience that I haven't before. And that, that summit could interview could be used in perpetuity as like evergreen, or it's being used in a podcast later. So it's kind of like investing in a permanent marketing piece to an audience that someone else is going to promote in perpetuity, theoretically. So I think it changes the dynamic of the ask and this guilt that I don't really have anything to offer, but will you help me when you do have something to offer that's really good for the, for potential speakers. So a lot of times it just matters if the the topic matches what their audience wants to hear and you're the audience you're attracting to the summit are the type of people they want are new people they would want in their audience. And of course, if they've got the time to do the interview. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to organize a virtual summit? You know, I've seen one trying to do it too quickly. So, and, and really that's, you can do it as quick as you can after you got all the interviews done. But even my first summit, I said, okay, I'm starting now and the summit's launching in 90 days. And that seemed like a lot of time. But if that's when I started recruiting and then scheduling interviews, I realized like I couldn't get some people on the books for an interview for 45 or 60 days. And so I'm getting the interviews done in a pinch beforehand. And that's why, like, if you get your first summit out of the way and muscle through it, you're going to be much better equipped to, to use that as a business tool in the future because you know all the kind of the timelines and so forth. But that I think underestimating the time it would take. And really, once you have all the interviews done, you can rapidly do everything else and if you can focus on that. But if you're still trying to get interviews and coordinate and get on people's calendars while you're building out the tech and everything else, that you know, that can be stressful. Two is, and this is something I've I've learned. Even more recently, I went back and did the books on that very first summit because I was, I I just, people judge the success of the summit solely based on premium passes and emails. When, if you look at the big picture, there's, there's a lot more to be done there. Now, in your case, you did, you had some, when your last summit, you had a couple, like two or three tiers, right? Of price points in the premium pass, you had upsells and so forth. You, you launched something afterwards. And so you, you had that plan in place, which is what we'd like to try to do with people. But my first summit I did in premium pass sales, which blew me away. Cause I thought when I was doing the first summit, I thought this thing's not going to make any money. It's just an authority play to see, be seen in front of these other people that I'm interviewing with. And the, the truth was I did about $12,126. I'll never forget. And premium pass sales. I'm like, Whoa, this is something I can help authors with because at the time I was just, just doing book launches for authors. And those aren't 
you know, those aren't income plays. They're your know, status plays, but getting bestseller, getting, you know, your book out there. But this is a way I could actually help authors make money. That's how I got into this. But the day after the summit ended, I had no, I'm, I just had this feeling that there was, I was getting all these emails thanking me and, and so forth. I'm like, I, I think I should offer something here. I, you know, I hadn't planned on it. So I, I took my, and I went back and forth. I could promote somebody else's product. I said, you know what? I'm going to take my highest price thing and just offer it, which was a thousand dollar anthology book offer, which I had run 45 days earlier already to my list. Now I added about 2,800 emails to my list from the summit and ran this thing again. And I had sold three 45 days earlier. So 3k, but I sold 19 in four days right after the summit. And so you know, then I started looking and said, oh, Whoa, that's even, you know, so that's, I just did a 50% increase on the summit premium pass. So I did 31 K in like a two week period. And I said, wow, this is amazing. And that's kind of how I got into the done few summit side, but just recently. So I've worked with clients for a year and a half and, and uh, doing their summits for them. And I've had a, you know, I've, I've seen people kind of dismissing the idea of launching something afterwards and also really nurturing those relationships with the speakers that they just, they just made. So I went back, looked at that first summit and then tracked all the income for the next year from the top five affiliates. And two through four, I did another 56K in revenue with over the next year from that first summit. And then in the first, the top affiliate, I did another 150K in revenue. So we're approaching like 250K in business created from that first summit. And if you go back and look at the, the, the premium pass sales, 12,000, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's peanuts compared to what the business relationships did for me after that first summit. And of course, they just keep multiplying. A lot of those people are on, on you know, multiple summits and you build those relationships. So it's, you know, uh, you and I are that way. We've got I have multiple people in our circle that, you know, now I can just send them a, a joke email or something. You know, it's not like I'm, oh, I'm afraid to hit send because it's, it's this influencer. But we built those relationships and we proved out some of the the offers. And now they're just, I've got standard offers I can go to, you know, you and I emailed a few weeks ago about something we might do. So that's, that's the invaluable part is, is not seeing the big picture or seeing the big picture is the invaluable part. It's it's that you're going to have business relationships and you could really justify all the expense without the premium pass, even without your core offer afterwards, if you just wanted the bit, these business relationships moving into the future but you don't have to discount those. You can also focus on your core offer. And now my focus with clients is that core offer really should be a high ticket, like a 10,000 or higher that you offer after the virtual summit, because your authority, you're at peak authority the day that summit ends. And, you know, let, let's, let's capitalize on that and share your top program. And if you don't have one, let's create a top program. So that's now what I do with you know, my whole done for you service has morphed into this, Hey, this, this done for you summit's just a small part. We're going to start by figuring out your high ticket that you're going to offer after the summit. So this is really a way for someone who has no audience to kind of kickstart it. So you don't need to have an existing following to run a virtual summit. You can just kind of be like the interviewer. So let me ask you this. How would you compare like the value for me of like interviewing you here for my podcast, getting that type of traffic versus 
same amount of time for an interview for the summit. Kind of what's the difference and how should I decide which way to go with each person I'm interviewing? Well, I mean, there's there's value in both, obviously. And, and you're going to do a lot. One thing you can do, by the way, is you take those summit interviews and later just put them in your podcast. I mean, you're, you're basically have these amazing interviews and you roll them into your podcast, you know, not that week after, but maybe six months or a year later, I've got those, you know, that original interview with Stu McLaren is still unbelievably good. Matt McWilliams, unbelievably good. So I've got all these great interviews that I use either as a bonus or a VIP upgrade best of series. Uh, you know, I can use them in multiple ways. I even took one of the interviews from that very first summit and turned it into a course because it was so good and so kind of checkbox following a, a system that, and that was a Matt McWilliams interview. But the, the value here is like, if you're starting, you're kind of trying to decide. I mean, I don't like to do, obviously there's ways to, to monetize podcasts and everything else, and, and you should do it. But I like to do the thing that's going to get me the most bang for my buck. And for instance, if you and I, and that's why it's great, like you're recording this video, you can put that in a, in a summit later, you know? And, and I may take it this and put it in my summit or my podcast. In fact, I might as well. Right. But with the summit, the difference is, you you know, we're investing time doing this interview and we're both going to get traffic from people that aren't even on this interview because there's other speakers on the summit sending their audience. So while if somebody's starting with zero emails and they get on podcast with you, they're probably going to get some emails right from your audience. But if they're on a summit with you, they're going to get emails from 20 people's audiences or 30. And if you're the host and you don't have any emails, that's okay, too. All you're expected to do is be the, the interviewer, the reporter. And if you look at, in fact, I just got it sitting right here. But if you, you know, in Russell Brunson's Expert Secrets book, he talks about, you know, the five stages of becoming an expert. One is to have the dream of what you want to be the expert in. Stage two is be the interviewer, the reporter. And, and, and you don't have to be the expert yet. You can be the reporter. And, and by the way, your summit can be about something broader and you're the expert in one niche. And you still might make your, your core offer after the summit about you, but you can, you can bring in all these experts. So for me, my first summit was Book Profit School. I already saw a ton of summits up publishing. I saw a ton of summits about hitting bestseller. And to me, both of those topics, I couldn't comprehend because it seemed like all the interviews would be the same. I said, I want to know how people are making money on the back end of their books. And so I went one step further and made that the theme of the summit. Now, I still had my niche afterwards, which was at the time that was people that hadn't even written a book yet and wanted to be a part of a best-selling book, which is my anthology. But I, that was just a small piece. So we talked about memberships and hosting masterminds and creating courses and, and connecting with influencers and all this stuff, and which made the summit successful and allowed me to invite speakers outside of self-publishing. You know, so Stu McLaren, you wouldn't invite him to a self-publishing summit, but he certainly was a good fit for book profiting and, and you know, creating some kind of recurring member, membership on the back end. So that's what I love about summits is, is, you know, you can create diversity in the type of people you bring, as long as you, you want their audiences to be a fit for your next thing, but you can, and you're going to get exposed to, it's just, it's basically like crowdsourcing one content because you're creating a product with the summit and you're crowdsourcing an audience as well. Okay. 
I think that's very cool. Let's say someone, they're excited by this interview. What is the best way for them to get started or start thinking about, am I the right fit for a virtual summit? Yeah, I think for most people, the the, the fear, and it's still this, it's still this way for me, but it's the fear is one, the I call it FORO, fear of reaching out. So hitting that send button to invite somebody on your summit. And then two, actually hosting the interviews. Oh my gosh, I, you know. So I let's dive into that. What's the worst thing? Because you've been in the this space for a long time. What's the worst thing you've ever heard about in a response to someone inviting someone to a virtual summit? What's the worst possible thing that's ever happened that you heard of? If, if to somebody who's reached out, I, I mean, I think the worst thing is potentially they don't respond, right? And you can't always get a hold of your dream people. So that part's like, hey, that most of the time it just takes a second email. And even then, if they're too busy, you know, and they, or they don't get their emails or they got a gatekeeper, well, you work away. And for instance, in Stu McLaren's case, I didn't have any direct access to him, but I had one of his products and I had his help. And I got on, I was on the phone and in fact, doing a, they, they contacted me for a testimonial. And while I was on the phone, I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing and I think it could, you know, help send people Stu's way and it'll help me. And they set it up. They're like, we'll get you in touch with his person. So it's, you know, it's not always like you've got to go knock on Jack Canfield's door or something. It's, it's, can you get in touch with people? And most of them, if they've got the time and it's the right niche, they're, you know, they'll consider it. So the worst, you know, I, I don't think there's worse. There, I, I've, you know, there, you can do some things wrong reaching out, but, you know, going for no is, uh, you know, go for no is that phrase where it's like, keep asking people and, and, and until they say no. And most people aren't going to be offended for you wanting them on your summit. They just might not be able to do it or might not be a fit. And sometimes they either don't get the message or they ignore you. That's okay too. I think a summit, you know, the other thing about a summits are I've had people on my summits who I, I really looked up to and it turned out they were deceiving the world on, you know, how big their audience was. So it, it shows who's been skinny dipping out there. And then, you know, the flip side in your ask, it's, it's like, don't send people paragraphs. And, and don't act like you're doing them a favor, but also don't feel like you're, they're doing you a favor. You know, you're, you're actually going to, you're offering them something's very valuable and that's to be in front of everybody else's audiences. So usually just a short, nice email, like I really liked your, you know, your pot, serve no master podcast, Jonathan, I think I'm hosting this summit. I think you'd be a great fit to talk about living a, you know, a free life and being a digital entrepreneur. And it's going to run this time. There's no, I always tell people there's no requirement to promote, although we definitely want them. And But that first ask, we're just kind of saying it's okay. And also it's okay to say no. And usually, you know, you'll get people to, and I've had people that I thought, oh, they blew me off. And then two weeks later, like I was on vacation, but I'm in. So, you know, just asking is good. And, and it's, you know, I think people can start right after this podcast, they can start, they can go, Send something to somebody they know and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing a summit. Would you be interested in interviewing? Get a feel for, you know, get your first couple of yeses, you know, and you while you're building the whole concept out. I mean, I changed the, I had, I had like three or four interviews before I knew the name of my summit, that first one. Uh, now I know before I ask people, but it's okay to kind of switch the concept around, switch the taglines. The theme kind of switched as I taught, as I did interviews my little subheader tagline was how to increase the, your influence, income, and authority beyond 
royalties because it was kind of like, hey, if you're not get you're not feeling it from your book royalties, this is for you. And uh, but I didn't come up with that theme until I interviewed enough people that kept saying the same thing over and over again. Oh, Ray, I know you're super busy. I really appreciate you spending the time with us. What's Where can people find out more about you? Where people can get access to you? What's the best place for them to go to? Just go to ray.fm slash serve no master. And I got a free book for you there. That's amazing. Summit. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing interview. If you guys are interested in going further with virtual summits, learning more about them, you should know Ray help, has helped me to learn and run my virtual summits. In fact, I was deciding on this call, would I do another virtual summit next year? And now I'm kind of feeling like doing it. I was like, I'm going to delete all this software. I'm never going to do it again. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I do want to do it again. It's kind of talked me into it. So I know how you guys are feeling. Make sure you grab that book at ray.fm front slash serve no master. Thank you so much for being here, Ray. This has been an absolutely amazing interview. I hope you guys found this as valuable as me. Make sure to check out his amazing content. His book is absolutely worth a read. Thanks, Jonathan. Great to be here. Thank you for listening to the Serve No Master podcast. I've written over 300 bestsellers and compiled my top secrets into a free guide that you can get right now at servemaster.com forward slash secrets.